is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome in, everybody, to episode 164 of the podcast that is sweeping America, the Aratora Sports Podcast. I am back two episodes a week again going forward. As promised, I took a week off to get married, but I am back now. So this is the second episode this week. Great episode to open the week. If you're worried, yes, I am still married. Nothing to be worried about. Nothing has happened in the last 48 hours to put my relationship, my marriage at jeopardy, but lot to get to today because remember last episode when I said, yeah, you know, we'll kind of hit these college basketball topics as we come, but we're now in the middle of July and I just don't know how much more news or information we're going to get or we're going to have to talk about. Yeah, I was completely wrong because as I told you a few weeks ago, uh, the FBI trials, which have happened over the last year, we were going to start to get the NCAA getting involved in these schools, uh, you know, get involved in starting the punishment process with these schools, and the first big shoe to drop came on Wednesday when NC State, which is accused of uh, paying Dennis Smith Jr., I don't even think it's accused, they just did, uh, they got a notice of allegations, which means that the NCA has investigated them, and the process is now beginning, so I'm going to talk a lot about that with NC State. Now, to be clear, there are no sanctions yet, they haven't been punished, there aren't uh, tournament bans or scholarship bans, but this is how the process begins. NC State, the first of many schools that is going to be hit with a notice of allegations. That came on Wednesday. I would expect in the coming weeks, Louisville, Kansas, Arizona, USC, schools like that to be involved. I'm also going to talk a little bit about Tyler Hero, who is tearing up Summer League right now. And I think he disproved a big theory that was kind of a common conversation during draft week. So I'm going to get to Tyler Hero. We're going to wrap. I, I, something interesting happened when I was hosting Fox Sports Radio the other day. My co-host, his name's Dan Beyer, good friend of mine, he was mentioning Billy Donovan. I want to talk a little bit about Billy Donovan because this is a guy that was brought in to win a championship with the Oklahoma City Thunder now that Paul George has been traded. Now that Russell Westbrook will almost certainly be traded in the coming weeks, I guess my question now becomes, how long does Billy Donovan stay at OKC? And is he now the face of the 2019-2020 coaching carousel because of the fact that I think he's coming back to college basketball? So we'll get into that. And I might even wrap with a little Nick Saban story that came out late on Wednesday. We will see how time allows. I should also mention, by the way, next week I got a great guest lined up for you. We're going to have more guests throughout the summer. But you guys will like this. I got a lot of Kentucky fans who listen to the show 
former Kentucky Wildcat. His name is Mark Krebs. Uh, he played at Kentucky with John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Patrick Patterson, Eric Bledsoe. He is involved in the TBT, the basketball tournament. Seth Greenberg came on a few weeks ago to talk about the TBT. Mark Krebs is involved, so he joins me next week to talk some Kentucky stories, to talk about the TBT, which is taking place in Lexington, and just the TBT in general, which will be on your screens uh, on ESPN and all the ESPN networks in the coming weeks. All right, so that's a rundown of the show. Before I get started, before I start talking, before I start doing my spiel, I want to do my other spiel and remind you, make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. I tell you every episode and I stand by it. You can subscribe on iTunes. I guess it's called now Apple Podcasts, but come on, we all know it is iTunes, it's iTunes, whatever. Apple Podcasts, uh, for those of you who have an Android like me, the Podcast Addict app is the best place to, to subscribe there. Uh, you could do it on Pod Paradise online. You could do it on TuneIn Radio. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can listen to this show. Also, please make sure to rate and review the show. Go on that Apple Podcast page and just give me a quick five stars. If you want to leave a comment, that is great. Um, those things really do help. I know I get corny about this stuff sometimes, but it really does help drive up numbers, drive up um, you know, awareness on the Apple Podcast page, so please make sure to do that. I should also mention the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast Instagram page, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. I will be really ramping that up here in the coming weeks as we get closer to the start of football season. I've been kind of ramping down the social media stuff, trying to enjoy this nice weather, but you need to be subscribed there. We're going to have uh, previews of shows, things of that nature. A lot of good stuff coming on the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast Instagram page. And then finally, if you have any questions, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com a ton of you have sent in questions over the previous few weeks so Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com if you have a question you want answered, it doesn't have to be about basketball it could be about football it could be about my personal life it could be about my love life whatever you guys want to know from me I will tell you as long as it's appropriate as long as it's not going to offend anybody all right so let's get into it so as I mentioned off the top the NCAA has begun the process with the FBI trials. And I'm going to try to explain because I know all of you don't understand all the, the legal jurisdiction of the NCAA and what this means and all that stuff. So I'm going to try to start from the beginning. So as I said off the top, right? So there were these FBI trials, right? It all goes back to what, two years ago now where we get news that the FBI is now involved in college basketball. A couple guys were arrested. Um, uh, Rick Pitino was fired because of it. And of course, over the last year, we have since had actual trials. Several college basketball coaches, assistant coaches pled guilty. Book Richardson from Arizona, uh, Tony Bland from USC, Lamont Evans from Oklahoma State. Uh, Chuck Person, I believe, still technically hasn't even done his trial yet. So this will go on for a little bit while longer. But the reason I bring it up is this, is that obviously in the process of being investigated by the FBI, a number of these schools, of course, broke major NCAA rules. And so I think it was probably about three, four weeks ago, there's this story, I believe Dennis Dodd from CBS Sports, friend of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, um, Dennis Dodd broke this story that uh, by the middle of July, that up to six schools, or I think it was at least six schools, so maybe even more, would be then served notice of allegations. And so for people who don't know the process, this is basically how it works, right? So you have 
something happens. It could be something really big like this FBI trial. It could be something else. It could be another school turning you in. So I, Aaron Torres of, you know, Montana Tech University, uh, am turning in the coach from Montana Eastern Shore, whatever. Like I just made up two schools and I'm pretty sure there's no Eastern Shore of Montana, but trying to make up schools so nobody thinks. So like think, uh, you know, he got game. So big state. So I turn in big state for a recruiting violation. So then the NCAA goes to campus, they do their investigation. Then what happens is a notice of allegations is delivered, and it's exactly what it sounds like, a notice of what the allegations are. So the NCAA goes, they do an investigation, they interview people, they then produce a report that they submit to the school. From there, the school appeals, the school tells their side of the version, and then eventually the NCAA says, okay, we heard your appeal, now here is our punishment. But the first step is a notice of allegations. And as I said, a couple weeks ago, there was this report that six or seven schools were going to be involved, and one of them uh, got their notice of allegations yesterday. It, It was NC State. And I'll be honest, I was a little surprised by that, and I'll tell you why. If you remember a few episodes ago, I kinda explained that I thought that realistically, the six schools that I thought would get them right away were the four schools that had coaches plead guilty, So that would be Auburn, Arizona, USC, and Oklahoma State. I also thought Kansas was pretty cut and dried because they had an ineligible player. They admitted to having an ineligible player. That ineligible player didn't play last year. And then he was uh, Silvio D'Souza, who was that player, was reinstated a few weeks ago. And so to me, that indicated that the investigation is probably over, that the kid served his punishment, that the school served its punishment, and now they would move on. So I would assume that Kansas is going to get a notice of allegations soon, and I would assume Louisville will too with uh, the whole Rick Pitino thing, Brian Bowen. And so why do I bring all this up? I was a little surprised by NC State, but I think in hindsight I shouldn't have been. So for people who haven't followed the story, here is the accusation against NC State. It comes about four seasons ago, three seasons ago, whatever it was, uh, when Dennis Smith Jr., now with the New York Knicks, was on campus at NC State. And the accusation is pretty cut and dried. It's that the head coaching st- or it's that the coaching staff, including uh, head coach Mark Godfrey, but really an assistant coach named Orlando Early, uh, worked with Adidas to get Dennis Smith Jr., to play college basketball at NC State. Not bad, right? 40K. Um, And this came out in the first trial. And that's why in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have been surprised that NC State was one of the first schools because they were involved in that first trial. Uh, Nothing came out in the second trial. So there was no new investigation to be done into NC State, right? So like a school like Arizona, a couple things come out early in the trial, a couple things come out late in the trial, and the NCAA is still probably, you know, running around trying to get all the details on what, what is alleged to have happened at Arizona, but NC State was cut and dried. This happened, TJ Gasanola, the bag man for Adidas, admitted to it on a witness stand. He said, yeah, I gave him 40K, they gave it to Dennis Smith. And so that notice of allegations came down yesterday. And this will be a fascinating, 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 did I say fascinating? Fascinating. Litmus test for the NCAA and what happens with all of these trials. And let me explain why. So first of all, um, you know, one, I'm, I'm, let's, let's just start from the beginning. So clearly NCAA violations occurred, right? But in the past, what would happen was, first of all, to, to backtrack, in the old days, so this was pre-FBI, 
the NCA could not use outside information um, to conduct inv- they had to conduct their own investigation right so if somebody so if if Aaron Torres from Fox Sports uh, has proof that fill in the blank school cheated um, the NCA still had to go do their own investigation. They still had to go interview people. And it, it was kind of a cumbersome process. By the way, sick word, cumbersome. I think that's the first time I've ever used it on this podcast. It was a cumbersome process because obviously you get to campus and the NCA has no subpoena power, which means they can't throw you in jail, which means everybody would just lie. And so they couldn't really get people to admit to stuff. And so what happened was when this FBI trial happened, the NCA changed their bylaws so now they can use outside investigations, outside information that isn't conducted by themselves, by the NCAA, in, these tr- in punishment. And so why this is fascinating is because this is the first litmus test of, okay, NC State is going to get punished for something that the NCA didn't even necessarily investigate, which was, they, they investigated it, but they got most of their information from those FBI trials. Here is why NC State specifically is also very interesting. No one involved with that investigation is still currently on campus. And so what I mean by that is this. So... Adidas was alleged to have paid an assistant coach to pay Dennis Smith. Easy, cut and dried, whatever. By the way, ironically, how do you like this? Dennis Smith Jr. accepts all this money or his family accepts all this money from Adidas. Then he signs with Under Armour when he gets to the NBA. So really sound investment by the folks at Adidas. But they pay him $40,000. But Dennis Smith, of course, has left for the NBA. The head coach who was there, Mark Godfrey, who I'm going to get to Mark Godfrey. I got a lot of Mark Godfrey thoughts. Mark Godfrey... Uh, was fired after the season with Dennis Smith because he had a lottery pick on his team, and I think they still went 16 and 17. So talk about a disastrous season, as I think I've joked on this podcast before. If there was one season that NC State fans would probably want to vacate, it would be that season because they went 15 and 17 when they probably had the second or third most talented team in the ACC that year. Um, and the assistant coach who was involved in the uh, payment, or his name was Orlando Early, is also gone. And so that's why I think this case is so unique. One, because it's the first one in which um, the new protocol is in where the NCA doesn't have to do their own investigation. They can take information from the FBI trials. But two, the punishment, I'm just fascinated to see what they do with the punishment because I don't know how they plan on punishing or if they plan on punishing or how hard they're going to punish a school in which all of the people who broke the rules are no longer there. So let me just put this out there right now. I'm just going to say something. I don't know if it's going to be popular, unpopular, whatever. I know we have a lot of NC State fans that listen to the show, especially because their current coach, Kevin Keats, was on a few weeks ago. But here's the bottom line. I'm just going to say it. And if it makes me um, persona non grata or if you disagree, that's fine. But I stand by it. I really hope the NCAA doesn't come down hard on NC State because I don't believe that a school should be punished. Look, you have to punish them in some way. Take away a couple scholarships, take away an official visit, make them pay back some kind of monetary thing uh, to charity. I don't know what the answer is, but I also don't believe in punishing a school for the actions of people that were no longer there. Now, I'll feel a little bit differently when it's Arizona's turn, and I've defended Sean Miller. Sean Miller's never been found of doing anything wrong. I don't think Sean Miller should be fired, but... He was overseeing Book Richardson, who did the cheating that got all, all got um, got Arizona in trouble. 
Andy Enfield, guy that I like. Keep in mind, he was at USC. He oversaw Tony Bland, who got caught um, taking money to potentially give to a recruit. Like, I, as much as, like, I'm be honest, I like Andy Enfield, good guy. But if your assistant coach breaks the rules and the rules say that the coach, ha- the head coach has to be punished for it, then the head coach has to take his medicine. But NC State's a different deal because everybody that was there is gone. And so I will tell you this. I hope the NCAA is leaning on them because they got rid of all the cheaters. Now, they got rid of the cheaters because they weren't winning enough, but the bottom line is I don't think NC State should be punished for the actions of somebody who is no longer there. Let me give you an example. So you guys know this. I've talked about it quite a bit, especially the last couple weeks, but I'm a UConn alum, right? And so this is where I draw the line is that in 2013, I believe it was, it was either 12 or 13, um, it was either 2012, 2013, um, the NCAA came down hard on UConn. And so why did it come down hard on UConn? It was because at that time, UConn committed an APR violation. So APR, for people who don't know, you have to, it's basically for people, it's basically for programs, um, it's an academic kind of deal, right? And so what I mean by that is as part of the APR, your players have to have a certain number of GPA. Uh, they, uh, they have to finish the semester. They have to graduate if, they, on, if they're on track to graduate, whatever. And any guys who either fail classes or don't finish the semester or leave without finishing school, you get docked a certain amount of points. And so in 2012 into the 2013 year, UConn's APR annual progress rate fell below a certain threshold. And so UConn was punished by being banned by for the next NCAA tournament. And it led to all these crazy things. A bunch of guys declared for the draft. A bunch of guys transferred. Um, and as a UConn fan, it really hurt, not because our school broke the rules, but because the, play, the, the rules had been broken three, four, five years out. All the guys that were flunking classes, and I'm not you know, forgiving guys for flunking classes, but they had all left school. A lot of them, by the way, had cleaned up their academics and graduated. Um, but all the guys that were responsible for that low APR score were gone, including, by the way, Jim Calhoun, another friend of the show. We got a lot of friends of this show, Kevin Keats, Dennis Dodd, Jim Calhoun. Jim Calhoun was gone too. And so it felt weird that UConn was banned from the NCAA tournament for the actions of players that were no longer on campus and a head coach that was no longer on campus. That was Kevin Ollie's first year. They were banned. It, they actually were pretty good that year. And then, thankfully, the second year, Shabazz Napier was still around. They ended up winning the national championship. But it still felt unfair as a UConn fan that the school was getting punished for things that happened not when the players were there or the coaching staff was there. And so that's why I bring it back to NC State because I really do hope Listen, you have to punish the school in some way, shape, or form. Again, take away official visits, uh, maybe take away a scholarship or two over the course of the next few years. But I really, and, and but to be clear, I hope it's clear, this has nothing to do with Kevin Keats being on this show. I just don't believe that you should punish teams for things that happen with coaches that are no longer there. And so I, I'm curious to see what the NCAA does. I do hope they show a little leniency to NC State, maybe in a way that they don't show it to Kansas, that they don't show it to... Um, Arizona or USC. I'll add this. I feel kind of the same way about Louisville. Now, Louisville's a little different because this was their second, third violation. But again, Louisville's the same deal. Rick Pitino's gone. Tom Jurich is gone. All the guys that were there and girls, I'm sure, that were responsible, Brian Bowen, his dad, are gone. 
I don't think I don't think the hammer should be thrown at Louisville, but even Louisville's a little bit different because that was their second major uh, NCAA investigation under Rick Pitino. But as it pertains to NC State, uh, I do hope that the NCAA shows a little bit of leniency on him. Now, a couple more thoughts on NC State before I move on. I do, as I said, want to talk a little Tyler Hero. I want to talk a little Billy Donovan. I want to talk a little maybe Nick Saban. We'll see. And this is my thought. Shout out to Mark Godfrey, who somehow is currently employed. And I've talked about it on this podcast at length. But I'll tell the story again because I think it's a good story. So Mark Godfrey, again, for people who, who aren't putting two and two together, Mark Godfrey was the head coach at NC State when all of this happened. And as best as I can tell, there's no real proof that Mark Godfrey knew. But if you know enough about Mark Godfrey, you know there's kind of there's kind of some gray areas in his past, right? There's kind of... You know, there's a little sense of, uh, you know, corner cutting. Let me put it that way. I'll put it nicely. There's a little sense of corner cutting with Mark Godfrey. And so Mark Godfrey was the head coach at NC State at this time. Um, Clearly, at the very least, his staff was cheating their ass off. You have to think that he knew a little bit. He's going to claim he didn't, but you never know. But he gets fired, by the way. Because he went 15 and 17 with Dennis Smith, which I mean, I think I could coach that NC State team to a better record than 15 and 17 with Dennis Smith. But Mark Gottfried, after getting fired at NC State, got another head coaching job last season. He coached at Cal State Northridge, which is about a half an hour from where I'm standing here in my home in California. And I've told this story many times, but the Mark Gottfried hire was one of the most unspeakable, unexplainable, indescribable hires of the last 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, because this guy got fired for losing, then was in the middle of an NCAA investigation because of these, so the FBI stuff comes out afterward, his school is named and involved, and Cal State Northridge still hired Mark Godfrey. And so this is the incredible part of it. I've told this story. But guys, you listen to this show. You know I don't consider myself a newsbreaker. Um, it's not what I do, right? Like, I like I don't want to... It's just not the way I want to live my life. I don't want to live my life like Woj, attached to my phone, trying to break stories. Like, I, it's just not the way I want to live my life. But one scoop that I did have that I can tell you I would have been the first one to break was I was the first one that had Mark Gottfried to Cal State Northridge. And you're going to laugh, but it's true. I had a source text me during that that spring cycle, hiring cycle, so this would have been 2018. Guy that I trust, guy in coaching. Northridge, I knew three or four of the candidates, so I had a pretty good feel for who they were interested in, whatever. And so completely out of the blue, I remember exactly where I was. I get this text that says, Godfrey to Northridge, almost done, almost final. I texted back, I said, are you talking about like Mark Gottfried? Like that guy got a head coaching job? And remember the FBI stuff had already happened. And I said, there's no way. I said, how can they do that? He's under investigation by the FBI. The FBI. Federal Bureau of Investigation. And so I texted my buddy back and I said, bro, how can they hire him? Do they not know he's in, in, in front of in, being investigated by the FBI? My buddy says, I'll never forget this. He goes, well, bro, they don't really have a, an NAD right now, so the president is making the hire. And I remember texting back, I said, you don't need an AD to make this hire. I said, I don't care if they have an AD. Do they have Google? 
Because all you got to do is type Mark Gottfried into Google and you would know that this hire is going to be a disaster. And then, just to be sure, I texted somebody else that I trust and I said, are you hearing Godfrey to Northridge? And he goes, yeah, it's done. And so I had that probably about a half an hour before anybody else. I believe Jeff Goodman was the guy who ultimately broke that story. But I couldn't believe it. Like it literally couldn't pro- – like, like I, wouldn't, I wasn't going to tweet it out because I didn't want to be embarrassed by the fact that Mark Gottfried was about to get another head coach job. And it seems so unexplainable to me with his win-loss record and with the FBI stuff that he could p- even possibly get another head coaching job, and yet he did. And so because of that – um, I guess, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else to say other than that. I just cannot believe that this, I, I couldn't believe it. And then by the way, after it came out, I me- I'll never forget this either. I had a coach text me. He says, man, how about that? I said, insane, bro. And he said, dude, he said to me, and I'll never forget this. He goes, man, he goes, it's one thing to cheat. It's another thing to cheat. No, no, he said, it's one thing, This I'm trying to remember the quote, he said, it's one thing to cheat, he said, it's one thing to lose games, it's another thing to lose games and be a cheater, and that always stuck with me, because it's like, that's the Mark Gottfried story, is how do you get a coaching job when you not only are a bad coach, but you also get busted cheating, investigated by the FBI, I have no idea, so unbelievable, last funny story from this, and I'll just say it now because whatever, who cares? Um, I remember interviewing Dennis Smith Jr. before the start of that season at NC State. And I remember like asking him, like, oh, like, why'd you choose NC State? Like, Duke wanted you, and Kentucky wanted you, and North Carolina wanted you. He said, Well, you know, I, I kind of I grew up as a fan and I love NC State. And, you know, and, and I really do believe, even to this day, that Dennis Smith Jr. did believe that he could go to NC State. And he could be the guy that turned that program around, even if it was only for one year. And so I do believe there was some kind of nobleness to it in the sense that, like, I think he really wanted to be that guy. And he couldn't. And whatever. The team quit on Mark Gottfried. And so whatever. He went on to the NBA. But what's funny about it was I remember calling. I said, you know, great interview, Dennis. Thank you for the time. He was a really good kid. I I still have nothing but nice things to say about my interactions with Dennis Smith Jr. But I remember calling his dad for the same story. I said, you know, Mr. Smith, Dennis Smith Sr., believe it or not, that's his name. I said, yeah, so, you know, take me into the recruitment a little bit because, you know, I heard Dennis grew up being an NC State fan. And the dad just laughed and he goes, no, he wasn't an NC State fan. And then I was like, so why did he choose NC State? He's like, oh, you know, well, his grandma, you know, lives in the area. And like, like there was some, some story with the grandma. But the reason I bring it up is very simple, is that right then I was like, oh, that doesn't really add up. Why would Dennis Smith Jr. tell me he's an NC State fan and his dad say that he's definitely not an NC State fan? And I could never put two and two together until this FBI stuff came out. And then I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. It makes sense. Oh, he, was, he became an NC State fan when Adidas offered him 40K. But I, I will never forget that story. So shout out to Je- Dennis Smith Jr. Shout out, shout out to Dennis Smith Sr. By the way, talk about people playing the game and manipulating the game. Again, how about Dennis Smith Jr. taking $40,000 to go to NC State, then he gets out of college and signs with, with Under Armour? I mean, if that's not an all-time boss move, I don't know what is. But So that's my take. I really do hope that in the end, the NCAA is a little bit more lenient on NC State because, again, I don't believe, and it's not because he was on the podcast, 
I don't believe that Kevin Keats and his current players, the current administration, should be punished for something that happened before they got there. All right, let's let's move on. A couple more things before I go for the day. Um, have you seen Tyler Hero at NBA Summer League? I mean, have you seen Tyler Hero at NBA Summer League? I think you can legitimately make the case that he has been the best player at Summer League this summer. And so it's really funny, right? Because as I watched Tyler Hero, first of all, shout out to Tyler Hero. He's like the only rookie that's even playing. I don't know how close you guys have been watching. R.J. Barrett's playing too. Give credit to R.J. Barrett. But outside of R.J. Barrett, Jackson Hayes, one or two other guys, most of these guys aren't playing. Like Jared Culver didn't play a game. John Morant got shut down. Zion Williamson, I think, played like a half before he got shut down. And so I only bring this up because shout out to, to Tyler Hero for actually playing. But when I watch Tyler Hero, you know what I think about? And I hope you guys know I'm not going after this person. But remember before the NBA draft, when Jay Billis was kind of asked about, oh, you know, what colleges produce the best pros? Or I don't know if he was asked about it as much as um, there was an ESPN article and he commented on it on Twitter. Remember what Jay Billis said? He said, yeah, colleges don't really produce pros. They recruit them. And basically what he was saying was the guys that are good enough to go to the NBA are for the most part good enough to go to the NBA regardless of where they go to college. And I'll say this, like in defense of Jay Billis, I don't necessarily disagree with them for the most part. Um, you know, like Zion Williamson, whether he went to Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, Michigan, Michigan State, Louisville, Tennessee, Florida, Georgia, uh, whatever. That guy was going to be like a top three pick. Markel Fultz went to Washington. He was the number one pick. Ben Simmons went to LSU. He was the number one pick. So like, yeah, I get it. A lot of these guys, it doesn't matter. But to say that it's all about recruiting and nothing about development, I think is actually insulting. I just brought up Jarrett Culver, who went to Texas Tech last year. Jarrett Culver was the 312th ranked recruit in the high school class of 2017, his senior year. And he was just the number six overall pick in the NBA draft. You don't think Texas Tech and Chris Beard had something to do with that? How about the Virginia guys? DeAndre Hunter, I almost said DeAndre and DeAndre Hunter, number four pick in the draft, was the 91st ranked recruit in his high school class. You don't think Virginia, you don't think development, you don't think Tony Bennett had something to do with DeAndre Hunter? Because like I don't think you could have just sent DeAndre Hunter to any school and he would have become the number four overall pick. Villanova is the same way. Villanova had four guys taken in the top 33 picks last year. Only one of them was a McDonald's All-American. A couple of them weren't even top 100 recruits. Eric Paschal, who got drafted from Villanova this year, started his career at, at Fordham. You think he gets drafted in the second round if he goes to Fordham? No, let's give a little credit to Villanova. So while I'm not picking on Jay Billis, I do disagree with the concept. And, and if you guys know me, you know, um, you know, I'm not big on going after other media members. Like, I think for the most part, we all work hard. We all have opinions. We all try to share, like, smart, educated opinions. I just disagree with Jay Billis on this one. And I don't think there's a better example of that than Tyler Hero. And so if you haven't been watching NBA Summer League, Tyler Hero is absolutely blowing up. I mean, he's been, I think, as I said, the best player at Summer League. And to be clear, because I know somebody's going to say this, I know that Summer League isn't the be-all, end-all. I know that Josh Hart won Summer League MVP last year, and he is a role player in the NBA. I get that. 
I get that we're, I, I'm not the guy that makes sweeping judgments on college basketball players and young NBA players based on summer league. But I think there's something to be said about a guy that is a coming out of one year of high school. So he's probably Tyler Hero is one of the younger players at summer league, certainly one of the younger players that's playing, and he's playing against guys that are five, six, seven, eight years older than him. And right now he's averaging 19 points a game, five rebounds per game, two steals per game, and he's shooting like 40% from the field. And so again, I know we can't do the whole like, oh, summer league, but like, I think that's kind of impressive for a guy that is 19 years old and just recently finished his freshman year of college. And so I think it also plays into what I was saying a minute ago. And I think it's a credit, by the way, to John Calipari. And I know John Calipari, by the way, was kind of critical of Jay Billis himself, where Jay Billis um, made his comments, you don't, you don't develop pros, you recruit them. And John Calipari's like, wait a second now. What about us? What about Devin Booker? What about Willie Cauley-Stein? What about Eric Bledsoe? What about Tyler Hero? And so I think Tyler Hero is proof that, yes, development does have something to do with it. Let's not forget, Tyler Hero was barely a top 40 recruit last year. He was committed to Wisconsin. We all know the story. Kentucky got interested. He was interested in Kentucky. He thought Kentucky could maybe provide him a roadmap to get to the NBA in the fastest way possible. And he flipped his uh, commitment from Wisconsin to Kentucky. But even when he did, remember, he's a top 40 prospect. He's not top five. He's not Zion. He's not R.J. Barrett. When he committed... By the way, I think he was like the fifth highest ranked recruit in his own recruiting class at Kentucky. Ashton Hagens, who's still in college. E.J. Montgomery, who's still in college. Uh, Keldon Johnson, who was drafted ahead of him. All those, or behind him, excuse me. All those guys were ranked ahead of him in high school. And so I think this speaks to the fact that John Calipari is actually pretty good at developing pros. And you could say what you want about, oh, he recruits the best players. True, he recruits the best players. But he hasn't had a top five recruit, I think, since Carl Anthony Towns, a kid ranked in the top five of his respective high school class. And yet every year, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, another one, just got traded from OK, uh, to the Oklahoma City Thunder after he was a lottery pick last year. Guy was ranked like 35-40 coming out of high school. Calipari in one year has him ready for the NBA. I mentioned Devin Booker. I mentioned Eric Bledsoe. But look at Tyler Hero. This was a guy that nobody thought would be ready to go to the NBA after one year. Only he was, and now he's balling out at Summer League, and I think you have to give credit to the development of Kentucky. And you could say, oh, you know, again, it's Summer League, or come on, he was a top 40 recruit. Well, he wasn't a McDonald's All-American. There are a bunch of McDonald's All-Americans that are coming back to college this year. As I mentioned, E.J. Montgomery at Kentucky, Javon Quinterly at, at Villanova transferred. Um... Nasir Little was a McDonald's All-American. He went well behind Tyler Hero. Bull Bull was a McDonald's All-American. He went in the second round of the draft. Tyler Hero went 13th overall and has been the best player at Summer League. And that had nothing to do with Kentucky. That's all recruiting and no development. Get out of here, man. I don't want to take anything away from, uh, from Tyler Hero because he's worked his butt off to be in this position. But how about we give a little bit of credit to John Calipari? Because I do think going to play for a Hall of Fame coach Going to play at a school where you're going up against fellow top 30, top 40 future NBA players every day in practice made Tyler Hero the player he is now. You think being defended every day at practice by Ashton Hagenson help? You think 
being defended every day by Keldon Johnson didn't help. You think having to defend Keldon Johnson on the other end of the court every day didn't help. You think the Kentucky strength and conditioning program didn't help. You think their nutrition program didn't help. You think this is all about recruitment. This is all about you brought him to campus and he was going to be this way one way or the other. I got to ask, I disagree. I totally disagree. Because I think if Tyler Hero had gone to Wisconsin, I don't think he's a one and done. I don't think he's in this position. I don't think he's balling out in summer league after one year in college. So I saw that. I saw Tyler Hero had another big game on Wednesday night. I saw that he's once again the talk of summer league. I saw that he is a guy that people are talking about maybe as a potential piece in a Russell Westbrook trade. By the time you guys listen to this, I guess in theory, Tyler Hero could be traded um, from the – he could be traded from – the Miami Heat to the Oklahoma City Thunder. By the way, how crazy would that be if, if the Thunder trade Paul George to get Shea Gilgis Alexander, then trade Russell Westbrook to get Tyler Hero? But like, if Tyler Hero wasn't balling out, I don't think the Oklahoma City Thunder would have interest. So I found that really interesting. Again, to be clear, I like Jay Billis. I'm not going after Jay Billis, but I do disagree with him on this one. I do think that colleges very much so develop pros, some better than others. There are some kids that were going to be in the NBA whether they went to Kentucky or Northern Kentucky. But there are a lot of guys that do get developed at the college level. I've mentioned a lot of them, and none in recent memory as kind of makes the leap quite like Tyler Hero did. All right, wrap up on a couple things. One last basketball note, because I found this really interesting. So I was hosting Fox Sports Radio on Wednesday. I was filling in on the Doug Gottlieb show, doing it with my buddy Dan Beyer. Great show. We talked a lot of NBA, a lot of the NBA stuff that I talked about on Monday's show, Kawhi Leonard, uh, all that, right? And so why do I bring it up? It's because we were talking to a beat writer from the Oklahoma City newspaper about Russell Westbrook. Is he going to get traded? Is he not? And so we're asking all the questions, you know, what is the the reaction around town? Is Paul George uh, a villain? Is Russell Westbrook, you know, uh, still an elite player? All those things. And my buddy Dan Beyer, I want to give him credit because he brought up a very interesting point that I hadn't thought of. He said, he asked the reporter, he said, so what's the future of Billy Donovan? And the reporter said, very interestingly, he said, well, he makes $6 million a year. He's going into the last year of his contract. And I would venture to guess that Oklahoma City or Oklahoma the Oklahoma City organization won't be extending him beyond this year because why are you going to pay six million dollars to a coach when your team is rebuilding when probably not very many of the players on the team itself are going to be making six million dollars and so it got me thinking I really do wonder if in hindsight Billy Donovan regrets not pursuing a college job more vigorously this summer Now, look, I I think that there's arguments on both sides, right? Because on the one hand, like I said, he would have had to forfeit $6 million this year to go somewhere else. Now, I would argue that if he had gone to Michigan, he signs for $4 million a year for six years. That's $24 million that he's going to make by giving up $6 million. But I do wonder, like I do get it from the concept of him deciding, you know what, I'm just going to stay here blah, 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 we're going to run this thing back one more time with Paul George and Russell Westbrook. Like, I do wonder if he regrets it. Say what you want about UCLA. That's an elite college job. I've talked about UCLA at length. Um, Great facilities, 
great support, great school, great university. Um, it's a really, really good job. And don't be like, like just because they didn't end up with Mick Cronin and he was whatever, their fifth, sixth choice, like, don't let that take away from the fact that it's a really, really, really good job. But even that one, I kind of get why he didn't. The NBA season was still going on. Oklahoma City Thunder were in the playoffs. But then Michigan. I mean, Michigan opened up what? Like early June? Like late May, early June? And to me, that's the one that he should have been like, all right, I'm good. I'm out of OKC. Because that's the one that, like, you really think about it. That's the one that had his name on it. He could have gotten out of OKC after the season. He wouldn't have had to quit on his team in the middle of the playoffs. He wouldn't have had to quit on Westbrook. He wouldn't have had to quit on Paul George. And he still said no. And he decided to stay in the NBA. I think it speaks to a few things. One, I think he likes the NBA lifestyle. Recruiting's a grind. I'm recording here right in the middle of Peach Jam, uh, which is the big recruiting weekend down in Augusta, South Carolina. And I do wonder if Billy Donovan like just likes not being a college coach, right? But if you're going to be a college coach, Michigan's a pretty good job. I mean, it's an academically oriented school. It's got good tradition, but it's not like Kentucky or Kansas where there's a national championship expectation every year. And I just wonder if Billy Donovan regrets taking it. I also would add, I think he now becomes the name that everybody pursues next offseason when the college basketball coaching carousel opens up. Because, come on, there's not going to be too many guys out there with two national championships just sitting around waiting to get hired. And so because of that, um, you know, I'm kind of curious as to see what the next step is for Billy Donovan. One, does he pursue another NBA job? Two, are NBA teams interested in him? This is a little bit of what Fred Hoiberg dealt with this summer. Fred Hoiberg, of course, was with the Chicago Bulls. He is now the head coach of Nebraska, but like, I, don't think, I just don't think there was very much NBA interest for Fred Hoiberg, and I don't think he could sit around and let all the college jobs pass him up um, to see if an NBA job opens up. And so I am curious if Billy Donovan um, you know, ends up in the NBA after this season, if he does pursue another NBA job, or if he does try to come back to college. Now, if he does, I think there's no doubt he will be the number one name on the college basketball recruiting carousel, or coaching carousel, excuse me. I'm also very curious, there's not going to be very many big jobs open up. I mean, keep in mind, this past season, we had UCLA open up. Uh, a few years ago, we had Indiana open up. Um, you know, a lot of good jobs, like like elite, elite, elite jobs. And I don't think that job is going to be open next year. Now, you just never know. No one could have predicted Michigan's going to open up. But I kind of did some research before I came on air the only like really big jobs now look like Boston College is probably going to open up. Okay, whatever. Um, Clemson, DePaul, like schools like that might open up. But the only even remotely big time jobs are Texas, where I think this is Shaka Smart's last year. I just don't think he's going to get the job done. And Wake Forest, where Danny uh, Danny Manning is under contract till like twenty forty five. Like his contract is unbelievable. He got like a two-year extension the one year they made the NCAA tournament. Um, and I think they basically just didn't fire him this year because they couldn't afford it. I think he'll be gone next year. But I do think that Billy Donovan is going to be the hot name. And I'll be real. I don't think he's coaching in the NBA a year from now. I think he's coaching in college basketball. I think this West, I think this Paul George trade really did change everything from his perspective in terms of his future, what's next, all that stuff. And I think it made it interesting. I think it's going to make for a fascinating coaching carousel. 
Um, and I'm just curious to see what he does. All right, so last story. I do want to hit a little college football because I've told you for weeks we're going to slowly transition to college football. SEC Media Days is next week. And um, and there was another story. I just mentioned the University of Texas. Um, and so for people who don't know, um, there was a story with Nick Saban and the University of Texas. And so, okay. So I think most of you know that when the Texas job opened up in 2013, Nick Saban was the guy, okay? Like Nick Saban was the guy that Texas went after. Everyone was saying that he was the prime candidate. You know, there were all kinds of reports of, oh, his wife was seen uh, searching for real estate and blah, 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 and this and that. And he didn't end up taking the job. And so a report comes out yesterday uh, from a Texas booster named Tom Hicks, very famous guy. I think he owned the Texas Rangers for a while, the baseball team. And basically Tom Hicks said, it was a done deal. And we asked Mac Brown to sign off on it because Mac Brown was the previous head coach. And if Mac Brown had signed off, Nick Saban would have been the head coach. And keep in mind, Texas fans have been trying to sell us this for years, that they were this close to getting Nick Saban. And I'll be real, I don't buy it. So here is how the story goes. So Tom Hicks, this is great, um, he had lunch with Mac Brown. The team was really struggling. They're thinking about firing Mac Brown. And so um, so Mac Brown, they're getting ready to fire him. And so the, somebody has lunch with Mac Brown. First of all, so Tom Hicks said, this is what he said. He said, another regent and I had a conversation with Saban's agent, and he said, if Saban was a business guy, this is the agent talking about Nick Saban. So the agent is now selling the Texas boosters on Nick Saban. And the agent said, if Saban was a business guy, he'd be what you call a turnaround artist. He's not a long-term CEO. Fix it, win it, move on. He knows he will never catch Bear Bryant's legacy at Alabama, but he'd like to create his own legacy, which is that he's won national championships at more schools than anybody else. He's done it at LSU, he's done it at Alabama, and he knows he can win a national championship at Alabama. He knows that he can. Of course he did. He won. He had won three at that point. And so what it came down to was that Nick Saban needed to convince Mac Brown to basically vacate the seat at the University of Texas of the head coach. And so apparently the boosters had a, uh, a meeting with Mac Brown to discuss the conversation. <laughs> and this is how the conversation went according to Tom Hicks, the Texas booster. He said, we had lunch, and I thought at the time he was ready to leave. He'd, be t he'd been telling people he was ready to leave. So I said, Mac, I want to tell you about a conversation I've had with Jimmy Sexton. Jimmy Sexton is, of course, Nick Saban's agent. Booster said, conversation with Jimmy Sexton. If you want to retire, I think I can graciously have Nick Saban come in and take your place and have it be your idea. That might be a nice way to end things for you. According to the booster, Mac Brown turned bright red. Steam started coming out of his ears, and he said, that guy is not coming here to win a national championship with my players. Mac said, I'm glad to see, and so then the booster says, Mac, I'm glad to see you have that passion. I didn't know you had any passion left. Um, and so basically, that's the gist of the story, is that the boosters went to Mac Brown and said, hey, like, why don't you step aside? We'll say it was your idea. We'll go get Nick Saban. We'll say that you signed off on this. And then you get to kind of be the conquering hero, the guy that won a national championship and then vacates kind of the throne to give to Nick Saban. I'm going to call BS on this. 
It's a great story. Great story. I don't buy it one bit. And here's why. Two reasons why. First of all, this is what Nick Saban and his agent have been doing to teams for years. How many times has Nick Saban been linked to an NFL head coaching job? Oh, I don't know, like every offseason up until the last year or two for the past five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years? How many college jobs? Texas a couple times. So I don't buy it. This was Nick Saban's agent leveraging Texas to get a better deal at Alabama. Now, is it possible that Nick Saban would have gone to Texas? Yeah, it's possible. It's also possible that John Calipari seriously considered UCLA for a while, and I believe he considered it for like an hour. But Nick Saban was never going to Texas. Nick Saban was using this as leverage to get more money from Alabama. You know the second reason why I don't believe it, the second reason why I call BS? It's because Texas fired Mac Brown anyway. So if Mac Brown was the only thing standing between Nick Saban and Texas, they ended up firing him anyway. So don't give me this stuff. So I thought that was a good way to wrap. I thought it was a kind of a quirky story we've heard for years. Nick Saban, did he seriously consider Texas? Did he not? And now you have one of their primary boosters uh, going up and saying that, oh, yeah, no, we had him. All we had to do was get Nick, uh, Mac Brown to step aside, but he wouldn't do it. All right. I don't buy it. So that is all for today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. I am winded. I've been talking a long time. Great show today, though. I appreciate you guys sticking through. We talked a lot of uh, NC State. We talked a lot of Tyler Hero. We talked a lot of Billy Donovan. We talked some Mac Brown and Nick Saban. I want to thank you guys. Also remind you, please make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Do it on iTunes. Do it on Podcast Addict. Do it on Podbean. Do it on TuneIn Radio. Please make sure to also rate and review the show. Five stars are welcome. Five stars are encouraged. Uh, do it because you like me. And again, be patient with me over these next few months because I'm going to do more college football, probably do some maybe some college football over-unders on Monday. We'll see. Also going to see if I can get a guest next week, maybe from SEC Media Day, which would be awesome. So I want to make sure everyone subscribe to the college uh, to the Air Tour Sports Podcast, rate, review the show, five stars on iTunes. Also, make sure you subscribe on Instagram, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. And finally, if you have any questions, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. That is all for today. Shout out to my boy, Torrent Craig. I will see you guys next week. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.